0: If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly
1: Welcome to the Rodar Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTAWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Friday, October 23rd. year is 2015, week 7 of the NFL season. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. Bengals, Broncos, Bears, Packers all off the board. What a miserable week. I'm, I'm already sad. There's no Packer game this week, which makes me not want to do anything related to football at all this weekend it makes me want to just go outside and rake leaves or something oh man like you mean like do things outside lifelike things yeah you know breathe in fresh air uh, clean up the yard uh, even though i don't i don't, I don't can't own do that to, it'd be weird gotta, to go rake
2: i gotta stick to the tech stuff i gotta i gotta look
1: at a screen or else i'd get even sadder well the, i understand the good news is and I'll, I'll get over it between now and sunday i'll be fine You've got the London game again, and it's, uh, I believe, a 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff, so a nice 6.30 a.m. start for you folks listening on the West Coast, if anyone's even listening at all. I actually don't know if people are listening to this podcast anymore. I think they gave up on it uh, a few weeks ago, but it's Bill's Jags, and it is only available to stream online you cannot watch
2: the game See, on television that's exactly the kind of game i will make a special effort early in the morning on a sunday to go find and watch um but then again maybe i won't
1: no i think you will bills bills jags has a lot of fantasy goodness in it right i mean you've a lot got of
2: goodness in general
1: maybe tj yeldon if he plays and uh, alan you know. robinson alan robinson's good alan hearns can he keep it up who knows i mean at this point i i i'm I'm shocked that alan hearns has been this good but at some point we have to start believing in what he's shown us and hey they're a volume offense
2: yeah he's good that alan robinson is gonna is gonna take that offense over pretty soon i think but uh I've, I've kept betting against the other alan alan hearns and i keep getting burned for it so maybe i should
1: shut up yeah i traded uh for alan hearns in the stopa league i had to i needed a third receiver this week because aj green and uh, all the packers are on bye, so i was really thin at receiver and I traded Danny Woodhead to get Alan Hearns. The best best I could do is move Danny Woodhead. You know I can't co-sign that. I know. I know you're going to hate it, but uh, that's. I tried to get John Brown first, and that wasn't going to happen, which, you know, give me credit for trying, but I, I knew going into the offer that that probably wasn't going to get it done. No. Uh, the Chargers, I, I got to see them firsthand. Talked about it on a Monday with Nick. They are fast becoming one of my least favorite teams because they just – Don't make sense like they they think that Melvin Gordon doesn't realize that fumbling is bad like they're one of those teams like Melvin Gordon after he coughed up the fumble on Sunday I think it was the second one of the day he got buried and most teams do this but it's frustrating to me that there's not enough progress around the league to the point where that's the exception rather than the rule and that that he's a rookie that fumbled twice probably means he's not touching the ball again for like five weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, I can understand taking him out for
2: the day, especially when you have a pretty good alternative like Woodhead. I mean, multiple fumbles could not just be a guy, you know, just happening to have bad luck. It might be that it's in his own head that he just kind of is is messed up for the time being. And, and Woodhead is obviously so absolutely fabulous. So you got you to gotta give him the ball, of course. But yeah, hopefully they don't do the stupid thing where it's like, now we're going to wait until next year to see if you've learned the lesson. I don't think they will. I think since they traded up in the first round to get them, they have to start trying to get some return on that investment, lest they all get fired for their incompetence. But uh, yeah, it looks like a, a weird situation, but at least Philip Rivers is a super likable guy.
1: I just received an email that I want to share with you and the listeners out there. Um, I have, I have been asked for pictures of myself in halloween costumes from either my childhood or adult years for the betterment of a media channel that i'm connected to isn't that unusual uh
2: the only halloween picture of me probably was when i uh forgot my power rangers costume on the bus Oof. and when i was in merrill and in merrill, uh, you haven't heard of that, probably. No, but uh, yeah. Then I had to wear a sad, stupid ghost costume that my mom made out of some bed sheets, and I was just weeping in the photos, So I guess <laughs> I wouldn't take part in
1: that if I were you. That, <laughs> that's that's actually a great story, though. Really, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Like, as sad as you were as a kid for leaving the Power Rangers costume on the bus, like as an adult, you could enjoy a good story out of it.
2: No, it still hurts, and <laughs> it uh, still brings back repressed pain. But at least I don't forget things on the bus anymore. Knock on wood. That's good.
1: <laughs> well. If the, if you know what, if losing your Halloween costume, losing the Power Rangers costume when you were eight, ten years old, somewhere. I was right? like five, five. Oh, so you ten can, would be.
2: I think you're supposed to be over the Power Rangers by like seven or something. I don't even remember.
1: I, I missed the window of the Power Rangers entirely <laughs> growing up, so mm, I had sucks no. To be you. Yeah, I know. I, I really, really missed out. So I, I guess I, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm thinking, hey, if you had to forget. Either your cell phone in your 20s on the bus, which costs several hundred dollars to replace, or the Power Rangers costume when you're five... I think I'd rather just lose the costume as a kid, even though it does seem like it's done well, some emotional uh, damage.
2: But I think that costume might have been why I didn't end up being like the coolest kid in north central Wisconsin, though. Like, if I had that costume, maybe I'd be just like
1: so much cooler with so many more friends and stuff right now. Like, that was a critical point in your life that, that shaped up everything else after. Yeah, ins-
2: it was like instead of really cool kid with the awesome green Power Ranger costume, but like when no one else had the green Power Ranger. Ranger, they all had their stupid red and blue or whatever power rangers i had the green one left and on the bus if i had had that on i don't maybe i'd be like you know mark zuckerberg or something
1: yeah I mean, maybe he probably would have you know like long curly hair or something i don't know yeah
2: but um anyway I, i'm getting a bit traumatized
1: going back this far all right well we'll we'll stop with the uh spontaneous therapy session and, and briefly talk about the Seahawks and 49ers, which, if you watched it, congratulations for, for getting through it. Um, it's probably, in quality, I would compare it maybe to Caddyshack 2, which uh, shouldn't have never, should never been made, for one. Caddyshack 2 never should have ever been created. But this one finished 20-3 to in favor of Seattle. Marshawn Lynch had a pretty Marshawn Lynch-looking game. 27 carries, 122 yards. Looks healthy at this point. Uh, Jimmy Graham went back to hiding after a big week in week six so my narrow window to close him or to trade to close the deal and trade him is gone it's over two catches for 31 yards on five targets and it was Tyler Lockett who actually led the way in this receiving core five catches for 79 yards and a TD is there anything of interest to you right now in that group of pass catchers even though Tyler Lockett seems extremely talented is there any reason to think you can trust him
2: he had only five targets so he's not going to catch every pass thrown his way most weeks and he hasn't exceeded five targets in any game so it's got to be pretty cool to be a seattle fan right now and look at that offense and be like wow we could be a lot better if we just took like all those Jermaine curse targets and all the whatever stupid things they're doing with their passing game i don't even i don't care i don't watch that offense but uh if they had just taken all those targets and started funneling them toward Tyler Lockett and Jimmy Graham, they'd be so much better. But Darryl Bavella is just not capable. So uh, I don't think it'll change much. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is the only consistent thing in that offense, and I, I
1: don't think that'll change as long as is employed there. Now, with Lynch healthy, Thomas Rawls, at least in shallow leagues, probably becomes a drop because of the bye weeks. I mean, he would six carries for 32 yards. Based on what we saw from Rawls, though, is this a guy that, in the event of another Lynch injury, becomes must own. Is he a potential yeah. top ten back if Lynch is out of the picture?
2: Yeah, uh he'll have the workload and he's he's better than I, th- I I expected him to be pretty good, but I mean he's been very impressive, not just decent. He's been really good. I mean he had two one hundred yard games in his three uh three game span as starter still running well off the bench he's at five and a six five point six yards per carry 65 carries so that's enough of a sample size especially in an offense that's so run heavy to begin with where the, the defense knows it's going to go to him those plays that he got it um i think he's i think he's totally legitimate and i
1: think the seahawks have their long-term lynch replacement on the other side of this one colin kaepernick 13 of 24 for 124 yards he was sacked six times didn't throw any picks though so cheer up san francisco fans Carlos Hyde, 11 carries, 40 yards. Reggie Bush, 4 for 21. Vernon Davis, back and producing. 4 catches, 61 yards on 6 targets. And Anquan Bolden had 3 catches for 39 yards on 7 targets. Seattle's defense has been really stingy against the pass for the most part this year, so I'm not shocked that Bolden had a pretty quiet night. But, I mean, this is an offensive line in San Francisco. It's had problems all year, and those problems were on full display last night. Yeah, I haven't
2: kept up with their, like, very specific personnel situation right now but obviously anthony davis taking his hiatus from football iapati leaving um yeah i guess i guess staley is really the only regular staley and boone are the only regulars on that line who are still there otherwise they're breaking in brandon thomas who's like a rookie coming off the acl tear and uh whoever else they have replacing davis and uh a potty but anyway i yeah the, the 49ers everybody knows what they're getting it's it's what you saw yesterday like the defense might be okay sometimes they might be able to run their way to some some competitive games but generally they're just severely outmatched talent wise and it's not like they have any schematic advantages to make up for it
1: no they they really don't it's just going to be miserable i think watching this team week in and week out the Rest of the way, I think Niners fans are, are well aware of that by now. Uh, but Caddyshack 2 ran an hour and 39 minutes. I, I, I'm only going about three minutes on this game today because it just doesn't deserve any more than that. Three minutes too many. That may have been three minutes too many. I, I'll, I'll concede that. Uh, take a look here at some injuries, though, as we take a look at the week seven slate as a whole, Keenan Allen. Back at practice on Friday, he's been slowed by a hip flexor issue. Still appears to be on schedule for Sunday. The official designation will come out here in just a little while, but decent chance he ends up as questionable, just on the more likely side of playing uh, than most, who are listed as questionable at least. Ruben Randall, uh, listed as probable, has got a hamstring injury. No one cares about him. But the other guy I want to bring up with Keenan Allen is Antonio Gates, who actually missed practice again Friday. He's been dealing with a knee injury. Suffered that in the fourth quarter of that game against the Packers. It's a really disappointing uh, turn of events because if you look at their matchup against Oakland, I mean, Antonio Gates has been getting volume in his first two games back from the suspension, and the Raiders have been so bad against tight ends. It seems like Gates would be a lock for daily lineups if he's healthy enough to go.
2: Well, if he isn't, uh, my favorite player in the whole league, Darius Green, just might just you know decapitate some people because he's awesome i think he's i would take him over gates not just if i was building a team but just like today gates early career gates is a hall of famer obviously green wasn't as good isn't as good as gates was back then but right now green is like every bit of the athlete that jimmy graham is and he's just not getting the like not getting the targets but uh not to predict a jimmy graham in new orleans scenario but if you get green eight or nine or ten targets like they seem to like to do with gates i think he can be an 80 yard to 100 yard a week kind of player and this looks like a good week to do it especially if Allen's at all gimpy uh, sorry do you know the status of stevie johnson like he was out last week um if he's if he's at all let's see so he he looks like he's probably back um but yeah if if johnson's limited Allen's limited if gates is out i love green so much um he just happens to be a 2900 on DraftKings this week, um, so that, that's pretty interesting. I'm sure I'll be targeting him very heavily if Gates is, gets some bad news uh, closer to Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's a it's pretty nice price for Ladarius Green, so we'll be sure to keep track of that on the site. RoadWire.com slash pod, get a free 10-day trial. We'll have the inactives about 90 minutes before each game kicks off on Sunday. I uh, mentioned Ruben Randall before, and again, no one cares about Ruben Randall, but it's his teammate Odell Beckham, who's dealing with a hamstring injury. He is listed as questionable for the matchup against the Cowboys on Sunday and Beckham really hasn't practiced like in two weeks like he's been very limited uh decent game seven for 61 into TD against the Eagles on Monday night and Tom Coughlin says that Beckham's going to be fine you know assuming he is in fact active and that's a late afternoon game for this week it's one of two within kind of a, a strange arrangement of game times would you go ahead and trust Beckham in a in, in a DraftKings context, or do you try to steer away from him just because there's a little bit of a risk there where if he aggravates the injury, if the Giants get a big lead, anything like that happens, they could really kind of dial back his workload? I gener- <clears throat> excuse me, I generally
2: don't like playing guys against Dallas to begin with, and if if they're as hurt as Beckham and you know also dallas bringing back randy gregory this week i don't think it looks like a game for where the giants will score many points i and furthermore dallas that they've they've shown a commitment to the to the model of uh, offense where you run out the clock with a lot of uh running the ball and you tend to do that even more when obviously romo isn't available they're going to matt castle this week if they if they're breaking in uh, christine michael as a starter i like their chances of kind of just smothering the giants like 20 to 7 something like that because um yeah that 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 defense of dallas looks really really good in the front seven that pass rush is pretty terrifying uh greg hardy randy gregory demarcus lawrence tyrone crawford all in one place for the first time this year uh hardy's obviously been a huge impact in his return so far so i don't like odell very much i'd rather either pay up 400 more for julio or <clears throat> Even more so, uh,
1: definitely drop 100 for DeAndre Hopkins. Love that Hopkins' price on DraftKings remains uh, lower than it probably should be, just based on what we've seen from him target-wise and production-wise to this point. Staying in the NFC East, Jordan Reed listed as questionable to play against the Bucks. Uh, apparently he's been cleared by an independent neurologist, so unless the symptoms return over the weekend, there's a good chance that Reed will be available to Washington in some capacity this is a guy we've we've had four diagnosed concussions already i'm just very pessimistic on the idea that he can come back right away and be productive it just seems like a a really risky long-term decision to even put him back out there
2: yeah i don't i don't know what to make of that either i certainly won't be approaching him in fantasy season long or daily but, uh, yeah, hopefully he's okay because you, you, yeah, I would hate that he'd be putting himself at risk or something.
1: No Deshaun Jackson this week for Washington. That hamstring injury continues to sideline him. He did practice last week and uh, was listed as questionable then, but he's officially ruled out, so not making the progress as expected. Uh, the Titans are going to be without Marcus Mariota this week. He took a, a low hit from Olivia Vernon, uh, and that's caused a sprained MCL in his knee, so he's going to miss at least this one game. Zach Mettenberger getting the start against Atlanta. Think about the Titans. I mean, their offensive line is pretty bad. They don't run it all that well. The talent around Mettenberger is very limited. Could he actually be a useful tournament play given that the Titans may have to throw it forty times just to keep up with the Atlanta offense? It could work. I mean, he 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 was not a great
2: prospect coming out of LSU, but we know he can throw the ball downfield. He can put velocity on the ball. He's got some familiarity with the league after getting some exposure last year and obviously, you know, working as a backup, had time to watch to start this year. So I wouldn't I wouldn't like aggressively argue against it. I won't do it myself. Like I'm, I'm I can identify enough of other viable quarterback options, I feel like, where I wouldn't go to Mettenberger, but he, he he could be a starter someday, an average or better starter in the NFL, just because is there doesn't mean like Mettenberger isn't a prospect anymore. It's
1: just he's still a middling one on a bad team. So I don't know that doesn't add up for me. Taking a look here at the other side of that injury report, Falcons are actually reasonably healthy at this point. Both Roddy White and Leonard Hankerson are listed as probable with their respective injuries. It's a matter of figuring out, is Hankerson going to get seven plus targets if he does i kind of like him this week but if white's gradually increasing role is just gonna pick targets away from hankerson then you're left with two guys who sort of cancel each other out
2: yeah and it seems like this offense is headed toward a permanent model of julio gets all the targets and the rest kind of just gets sprinkled between, yeah, Hankerson, White, and even more so Devontae Freeman. So Freeman seems like the number two receiver in that offense with like Hankerson and White rotating at the three spot. It's not something that I would probably approach
1: myself. We mentioned the Bills and and Jags earlier. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns both listed as probable. They have leg and ankle injuries, respectively. Julius Thomas also listed as probable. He got a little banged up uh, on Sunday, but he is fine. He's got a chest injury. Uh, LaShawn McCoy was limited at practice on Friday due to a hamstring injury. That's been an ongoing issue for him. He's listed as probable any hesitation about using McCoy against that Jags defense that given that he's on the injury report again or do you think that's just going to be kind of status quo I mean he he looked a lot better against the Bengals last week than he has at any other point this season
2: um yeah I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch that game I I kind of wish I had because I was definitely curious to see how he looked not just uh what the what the numbers were but the numbers were good and you know the opportunities there so it's it's hard to it's hard it's hard to say that anyone should avoid him if you own him in season long you have to play him so uh otherwise it's it's not the the greatest matchup or whatever but the volume there gives him a high floor at least
1: adrian peterson limited in practice on thursday due to a finger injury doesn't seem too serious he should be fine des bryant didn't practice thursday if he's able to practice between now and the time we finish recording this here on friday afternoon We'll let you know but it doesn't look like. Dez is going to be ready to go for this week.
2: Oh, sorry, not to not to totally derail uh, this this awesome uh, Dez direction here, but I forgot to mention that some something that Nick Whalen showed me on Twitter, some s- sleep psychologist guy or whatever, was saying that uh, Buffalo has a an already like they were the favored team, I would assume, but they have a huge advantage over jacksonville because they got to london or whatever three days ahead of time or something Hmm. so i guess i guess gus bradley held them out until getting there friday which the sleep guys said is going to totally mess with their uh sleep schedules so maybe maybe this is actually a good setting for mccoy to kind of go off if he's going against a bunch of sleepwalkers
1: yeah i mean if if you're just not really with it because of jet lag that could be Uh, factor jag lag i think is nick referred to it yesterday which is it's it's
2: it's an every week thing
1: it's a they yeah they they always experience uh, that phenomenon but i mentioned des bryant i mean it it doesn't look like he's gonna go probably on the doubtful side of questionable right now because the cowboys have said he needs to practice before they're going to put him back in to a game situation. Remember Matt Castle actually getting the start at quarterback for the Cowboys, so not sure if that really even helps or hurts Des at this point. I mean, Brandon Whedon, for all the, of his faults, actually seems like he has a strong arm. He was, I mean, a baseball prospect at one point, too. So it's kind of surprising that they think that Matt Castle's a better option for their offense. Maybe they think the decision-making with Whedon is too slow or too check-down heavy, I guess. Like, maybe that's part of the problem. But he doesn't have any idea what he's doing, really. <laughs> yeah, just... so I guess that's, that's probably the thing it'll go go play baseball for five years and then go try to play football it's probably harder to play football that way
2: but uh yeah castle should stabilize things whenever des does come back i mean it's not going to be a high ceiling situation but they should at least have fewer three and outs i think
1: so that might mean more opportunities generally Keep an eye out for a status update on Emmanuel Sanders. He should be okay, but he did suffer a sprained AC joint in his shoulder during last week's win over Cleveland. Haven't seen an official designation on him go by uh, just yet. Jeremy Macklin is expected to be back at practice today. I think the Chiefs practice will be happening like as we record this, and they expect that he'll be ready to play, but no guarantee, of course, coming back from a concussion. John Brown slowed by a hamstring injury. He was limited in practice on Thursday, though hamstring tightened up during drills i think he's going to be fine question i have for you is coming off a huge game 10 catches 196 yards is john brown's stock actually on the rise or is it really a case where you're still going to see a lot of fluctuation from week to week with regards to his target volume because of fits and michael floyd still being there
2: i think it was something that was due but definitely not something that'll be predictably repeating i i think it was just like yeah he needed a game like that to get his averages in line and now he's gonna have the predictable you know step back for a while there's fitz is too good and a constant in that offense to really give up many games like that to one of his peers generally so that probably i mean not that this is a gutsy statement but that was probably his best game of the year uh i'm not gonna go predicting any 200 yard games for john brown obviously so floyd has to get a little better i think i mean i was thinking that all of last year too so maybe not but it feels like floyd's got to do something more eventually so if if anything it's like i think if you own brown you don't do anything with him it's just you're you're happy to have him because he looks like a solid wide receiver two type that you probably got at a wide receiver three
1: price I feel like I'm suffering from some jag lag of my own today. I forgot to mention before, TJ Yeldon, among the injured players, he's listed as questionable with that groin injury. And I, I've, I've just got some concerns here. First and foremost, averaging 3.6 yards per carry through five games. Only, That's pretty
2: good on the Jags. <laughs> I was, was going to ask, is that, is that
1: the offensive line? He's got one carry for 20-plus yards. Is it the offensive line, or is it actually Yeldon? that's the limiting factor
2: Uh, i don't think it's Yeldon. i think it's a combination of like defenses still don't aren't convinced about bortles it's like even when bortles has a big game he turns it over at the same time so that if 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 you need to focus on the run to keep bortles making those bad throws i think you'd do it because uh obviously yeldon is not going to throw incomplete you don't have incomplete carries or interception carries with yeldon so you stop that
1: first and then you let bortles prove that he can do anything right Well, you're going to have to get up early to know if Yeldon is good to go, but we will have those. Rotowire.com slash pod, again, is that uh, URL if you want to get that 10-day trial. Ben Roethlisberger listed as questionable, kind of surprising there, but I I think it's going to be Landry Jones ultimately getting the start there. Steelers have been planning for that to be the case. All week, just a heads up in case there's some funny business on Sunday morning or something like that, but I don't think that's going to happen. Marcus Colston, slowed by a shoulder injury. He was back at practice at a limited capacity on Wednesday, still awaiting his final. Uh, availability based on the Friday practice report but if Colston's back does that immediately scale back the targets for Ben Watson who just went crazy against the Falcons in week six I think so what
2: Colson came into the league as like a tight end largely so I think it makes sense for them to give Colston some of the routes and some of the targets that they've been giving Watson and uh otherwise in this game I, I don't know what Colston's return means for Willie Sneed but uh if you like the if you like narrative picks Willie Sneed's going to the to the state where he initially was made famous at Ball State. Um, so, if, if you really like the the trip to Indiana narrative, then maybe Willie Snead could have that whole uh, prove it to the to the home crowd type of thing going on. Whatever, yeah,
1: local boy makes good story. Yeah. You know, we we like those. And it's a
2: good matchup. So,
1: all right. Well, injury wise, I think that's the extent of what we're watching closely here as we move into week seven. Fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting. In Week 7, DraftKings will be hosting yet another Millionaire Maker event with $1 million going to first place. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Taking a look here at the quarterback position, sadly, no Aaron Rodgers, which... Is oftentimes the direction I like to go at quarterback on my DraftKings lineup. Tom Brady leading charge at 8500 Nice little price break, though, to Andrew Luck at the second spot on the list at 7600 Matt Ryan at 7200 against the Titans. And Drew Brees on the other side of that Luck-Saints matchup uh, at 7000 Are you paying up for one of the top four guys, or do you think you're going to look a little cheaper this week?
2: Well, uh, messing around with the lineups that I've been tinkering with, the whole podcast here, it's looking like it'd be pretty easy to fit in Luck, especially if uh, you're going for Ladarius Green, like I probably will. Um, you got guys like Todd Gurley, still five thousand, so you can make it like a pretty balanced roster and still fit in a guy like Luck, or if uh, if if you believe that you know the Patriots are are truly invincible, Tom Brady at eighty five is kind of easy to fit into. Uh, I think I like Luck the most out of this group, given uh, the relatively soft cap. I don't – I mean, it, obviously, bye weeks are the main reason, but I just don't really see that many good alternatives. If if, if Roethlisberger is in, that might be interesting. But otherwise, it's like if you're going past Luck at 7,600, uh, Matt Ryan on the road, kind of always a bummer. Uh, Drew Brees, I don't trust him anyway. I, like I said, I think the Giants are going to have problems with the Dallas pass rush. Uh, For me, it's probably between luck and then all the way down at 6,700. Carson Palmer, who should be an awesome cash game play uh, against a Ravens defense that is just so bad, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, they're always worse on the road, moreover. So Palmer looks like a pretty awesome play at 6,700 if you don't want to go 7,600 for luck.
1: Yeah, I do like Palmer. I would not pay the 8,500 for Brady this week. I just think it's a little bit too steep when you have some nice secondary options here that can do almost as much damage, at least because of the more favorable matchups. Phillip Rivers at 6,500 against the Raiders is also interesting, And, and I know it's easy to get more excited about a guy coming off a huge game like the one Rivers had against the Packers on Sunday, but that Raiders defense is very weak. Tight end issues are well documented. Rivers is a good player on top of that, too. You look at the fantasy points per game averages on DraftKings. Of the guys who are priced up higher than he is, only Brady's averaging more fantasy points per game on DraftKings than Phillip Rivers has this season.
2: Yeah, it's hard to predict those those pesky sixty five pass attempt games. Uh, he'll pro- he'll be more likely to stay around thirty than sixty, but that's still enough to probably get you know safely to two fifty and two touchdowns or something. Obviously, you hope for a little more. Uh, but yeah, it, if if the charges running game keeps struggling, it's entirely possible that he just kind of finishes the year as a much higher usage player than anyone would have expected, and
1: more than you know the chargers might have planned. Cam Newton at 6,600 home against the Eagles. Uh, what do you think about that matchup kind of sandwiched in there price-wise between Palmer and Phillip Rivers? The Eagles' defense is a lot better than I
2: expected it to be. Uh, I mean, they still have some cornerback vulnerabilities, but this is this is a strange matchup, actually. I don't know what to make of it. Cam is obviously playing really, really good right now, so it's, it's not as if I mean to question his capability in this instance. It's good that he's at home, but yeah i mean i think you can bank on some short fields with him if you believe that the philadelphia offense will continue to struggle i'm kind of agnostic still on that it's it's a really bad matchup for the philadelphia offense and they look terrible last week but the last couple times that we've said like wow the eagles look so bad they somehow you know look pretty good on offense the next so I can't rule out that possibility here, but I, I, if he does get the short fields, you like his chances of running for a touchdown because if, if they get in the red zone at all, it's like Cam Newton's uh, fantasy project, projection goes way up because he just gets so many of that, so many of those rushing touchdowns within the red zone.
1: Looking at the other prices, just below the Rivers Newton Palmer tier, you got Sam Bradford at sixty one hundred on the road against Man. Carolina. He's been so inconsistent, more bad than good to this point. I don't think I'd take the bait there, but I wouldn't, no. I, the ownership rights. I'm, I mean, I'm people the, finally are starting to give up, I think, on Sam Bradford.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm the uh, all-Eagles-everything apologist, aside from Riley Cooper. But I am apologist for everything Philadelphia. I do not want anything to do with them. I, I picked up Brian
1: Hoyer in the Stake League to start him instead of Bradford this week, if that tells you much. I think that tells me a lot. Joe Flacco at 5,700. If the Cardinals are going to put up points against the Ravens, you're going to get volume from Flacco.
2: I can see the uh, GPP appeal there, but I won't approach it myself. I just that, that passing game is not very good, despite the volume it's had
1: lately. Same price as Flacco. You've got Matthew Stafford getting another look at the Vikings defense. Vikings beat the crap out of Matthew Stafford. I think it was in Week 2. They were constantly hitting him. He came out of that game bloody bruised, just absolutely dismantled literally could, could things be different this time around
2: well um oh man i uh, don't know what's up with this everson griffin situation but uh yeah he's got some kind of regular heartbeat thing i guess he's not on the injury report or something so he's okay but uh griffin's there he can rush the passer and uh mike zimmer just generally is, is a really good defensive coach so it's not like he's gonna having between those contests forgotten what it was that he you know what code he cracked to make stafford look so bad i i would not be chasing stafford's points from last week that was the bears defense uh stafford still looks like a sloppy guy he just doesn't know how to play quarterback, in my opinion.
1: I'm with you. I'm actually staying away from the receivers as well. I don't want any shares of Megatron or Golden Tate this week because I think it could be very ugly again for that Detroit offense. Ryan Tannehill, 5,700, home against Houston. You got uh, Brian Hoyer, at 5,300 against Miami. Is the defensive showing that we saw last week in Tennessee indicative of the Dolphins maybe getting back to being a team that we expect them to be coming into the year under Dan Campbell
2: I think some of it was just the of course they would get a little better you know bounce of getting rid of uh such an obviously just expired arrangement of Joe Philbin having any kind of role in the team with him gone I mean that's the kind of thing where it's just like everybody's just a, a little bit of a better mood a little more energy so they kind of just you know reflexively do a little better i don't know anything about dan campbell the coach as i said before i thought he was pretty cool as a player um but uh, i was impressed with how he gave lamar miller the ball uh that was pretty awesome it should have been done all along so he was smart enough to do that i think you have reason to believe that he'll whatever his specific nature he'll be a lot better than philbin and i guess for now that's enough
1: for us to know moving past hoyer you got Derek carr 5300 on the other side of the chargers raiders matchup perhaps a lot of attempts coming there Uh, Josh McCown at 5200 going on the road to St. Louis and the Rams are one of those teams Mario I generally don't like to use my quarterbacks against especially when the Rams are at home
2: hey man they they made Rodgers throw an interception in Green Bay I'm not playing people against the
1: Rams I'm not not the quarterbacks anyway Ryan Fitzpatrick though 5200 somewhat tempting if only because I think the Jets can keep pace offensively with the Patriots if the Patriots can actually move the ball as effectively as they often do against that Jets defense. Is is this game going to come out like 21-17 or is there a chance it actually runs a bit higher than that?
2: Uh, so, sorry, th- this is, i was fixated on ryan fitzpatrick there uh, are you talking about the new england new york yeah it's like that oh, game okay. as a yeah. whole okay sorry yeah i was like i got t- totally spaced so i was like i, I like fitzpatrick at 5200 actually is what i was trying to figure out there i was like do i do i actually like ryan fitzpatrick and i didn't believe it started looking a little deeper but i think i do because i mean he's it was a pretty good he made that washington defense that had done pretty well prior to playing the jets last week he kind of just ripped them up uh he does have that quiet dual threat potential i mean you don't want to bank on rushing production from him but he can totally do it and uh i mean the patriots are giving up yardage at least in the secondary so you have to like some chance for garbage time there if if you believe at least the uh patriots are invincible narrative because if they are if if the Patriots do put up points on that Jets defense, then it probably means a lot of garbage time for the Jets offense and that's what you really got to hope for with Fitzpatrick I think is the garbage time where he can, you
1: know, get that 20-yard touchdown run against, you know,
2: cover 3 prevent or
1: whatever. I wish I could remember where Ryan Fitzpatrick went to college. I just I can never remember. How, how, I think it was like no Iowa one, State. No one ever talks about it. Is, is it Iowa State or Iowa? I always confuse Iowa State and Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it was I, Iowa State. I actually never confuse those two schools. But oh yeah, that's, yeah, he had to. They had to like screw with his grades yeah, to get. Him could, they, yeah, it. they had to mess with the transcripts to get him in. He Had to go to junior college before he got his grades right. Just below Ryan Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith at fifty-one hundred, Nick Foles fifty-one hundred, and Landry Jones also at 5100 you could also get teddy bridgewater and Jameis winston for that price as well any of those lower end options stand out to you no not even bridgewater against I, the lions if
2: on if, if landry jones is in for uh the the Steelers, if roethlisberger is out and vick is out landry jones at 5100 is a lot more interesting to me than winston or bridgewater uh just because i think todd haley's inclination is to air it out more than it is to reel in the offense and you know go dallas cowboys for instance so i like the chance for volume there and i love the receivers obviously martavis bryant is a game changer so uh in a gpp if landry jones is in i'll have a hard time not putting out like a you know one out of ten type exposure for
1: for landry jones there but otherwise no it's all pretty gross moving to the running back position how does the presence or the starting nod going to Landry Jones how does that impact Le'Veon Bell's value the Steelers are going to run it as you kind of as normal like they're basically not going to adjust it as he suggested does that hurt Bell does it give the defense an opportunity to load up the box a bit more because last week was Bell's worst game of the season I think
2: it would be good for Bell if Jones started because with Vic we know it wasn't going to work Vic being in the offense meant more work for Le'Veon Bell in terms of shares but less efficiency uh shorter drives and sh- fewer scoring opportunities so i think if landry jones is in i there's reason to bet on more first downs more yards per play more touchdowns so i like i like jones for bell if he's in um but yeah in general, I, w- I would not exactly worry about, you know, Lavian
1: failing to meet value. I think last week was an exception. 8,400 is the price on DraftKings for Le'Veon Bell this week. Devonte Freeman priced up at 7,900 going against Tennessee. I mean, the Tennessee Titans, as I've mentioned many times before, one of the worst teams in the league. I have to think Devonte Freeman has every opportunity here to get 20 plus carries, catch a handful of passes, and probably go over like 150 yards from scrimmage.
2: Yeah, I'm going to probably get him in like every lineup i've been burned every single week so far i have not gotten any shares of him so uh now that i am this is definitely the
1: the disappointment week i've, I've doomed him you've been warned adrian peterson at uh, 7600 foster at 7500 going up against the dolphins Dion lewis is the fifth most expensive running back this week and it seems like with garrett blunt healthy his role has been shrinking a bit but it would also seem as though in a matchup against the jets a team that can certainly get to the opposing quarterback, that Deion Lewis may actually be a good source of catches again this week. We might catch six or seven balls and contribute quite a bit in that facet of the game.
2: Yeah, it'd be really cool if we could get some reassurance on his health because I bet that his abdomen issue is a, a little bit of the reason why he didn't play as much as expected last week. And, you know, believe it or not, not just Belichick trying to ruin our lives. So I think I, I agree with your thinking there because uh, if. Revis, Cromarty are adept at covering receivers. Uh, I mean, you might like Gronk first and foremost to benefit, but second might be Lewis in the flats or not just the I mean he can run a lot of routes, but uh, either way, you have to like Lewis against a linebacker a lot more than whatever Edelman against Revis or something like that. So I agree. I, I, I probably won't go after him in cash games just because there are people below him and that I'd
1: like just as much or more. But I think he's a great GPP target, uh, especially in PPR scoring. DeMarco Murray at 6,400 going up against the Panthers. Seems like he's getting on track, even though the rest of the Eagles offense is still lagging behind. Any reason to be optimistic about Murray this week? I think you have to be optimistic in the long run. I'm I don't know
2: what to make of the Eagles offense in the short term though because uh Carolina's given up some rushing production, but I wonder if that's largely due to Luke Keekley missing 3 games with a concussion. Keekley's back. Uh I don't think that it's as friendly of a matchup as it looks like and the pass defense in Carolina has very few questions about it. So it's pretty easy to imagine philadelphia just you know laying a dud in that one so i don't i'm not super optimistic about this week specifically but uh yeah it's it's very encouraging that the last two weeks he's not only had the high 20 plus carries and uh 10 catches between the two games uh the efficiency's actually been pretty promising too so i think he'll he's much of a much more of a running back one than a running back two at this point
1: Mark Ingram, 6300 could be fairly priced just given how many points we're expecting in that Saints-Colts matchup. Latavius Murray is sort of interesting to me at 6100 The Chargers have been pretty generous to opposing backs all season. A lot of the production coming last week against the Packers on that long run by James Starks. It was a play that looked like it was completely stuffed the line of scrimmage. Starks kind of spun around, went to the outside, found the edge, and ended up finding pay dirt afterwards. Uh, any reason to go after those guys or do you just go down to Todd Gurley at 5,000 and just lock him in because he's facing that horrendous Cleveland run defense
2: I'm gonna have Gurley in every single cash and tournament lineup I mean at that price like as we said before like fades are have a diminishing return of value the lower the price is on the player and
1: Gurley at 5,000 like I don't I don't need to think about it yeah I love Gurley at that price I mean if I'm if I'm making the prices i think Todd Gurley costs at least 7500 this week. I mean, oh yeah. realistically sure. he, that, that, he, when, he, when there's
2: that much of a gap between what it should and what it is, like I don't I don't see any real uh
1: tangible upside in fading him at all. If they priced him at 8500 I think people would still want to own him because it's against the Browns. The Browns have been giving up huge amounts of rushing yardage to even bad backs when they faced them throughout the year.
2: Like, just at a glance, I would only rank one, two, three running backs ahead of him this week. So that's in a vacuum without the prices kept in mind. Yeah. So, yeah, 10 times out of 10, I'm picking him. I, like, I literally
1: will not have a lineup on drafting that doesn't have Gurley. So, uh do good for me, Todd. <laughs> doug martin going up against washington 4900 price still low on doug martin Are you buying in at that price point
2: he's i think you're encouraged in the season long with how he's done a little bit lately but i don't that whole lineup or sorry that whole uh matchup sounds like a stinker to me i i, I don't trust either team don't like either
1: team doug martin is not
2: someone that i would target outside of
1: tournament situations Looking a little further down here, you got Lamar Miller at 4600 Compared to Martin, do you like the little price break there on Miller? And do you think he can run against that Houston defense?
2: I believe in Dan Campbell giving him the work. I don't know what to make of the Houston defense exactly. or And I also don't have a solid conceptualization of what the final look of that Miami offense will be. But I believe in Lamar Miller. So 4600 he's definitely in play for me. Cash and uh, tournament both. I don't know what kind of exposure precisely that I'll have to him but uh I mean yeah Todd Gurley is the priority for me Devonte Freeman I'm probably gonna fit in most of the time so it'll have to be in the flex spot he, he's he's at no more than third or fourth priority for me at running back and as I alluded to earlier, I'm also going for a lot of Christine Michael because he's only three thousand. So Danny Woodhead
1: probably not going to be in your lineups then this week, just because there's <sighs> so many other options at low I, prices. It's not about you, Danny. It's about the other guys who are similarly priced but yeah. actually start. Oh, and, and blame blame the five thousand dollar price tag on Todd Gurley for the low. Uh, Denny Woodhead shares for, for Mario this week. Uh, Sharkandrick West coming off a really disappointing opportunity to start in week six. Uh, only 4,200, but I don't think with all the other quality options we discussed, there's really any reason to go after him. Keep an eye on him, see if he gets more volume this week. I think he had nine carries last week, so it's hard to really grade anybody on that. Uh, Rashad Jennings only 4,000, but that Giants backfield is such a disaster. It's like, why why even put yourself through that?
2: i'm not gonna bother with giants anything this week i've I've decided not gonna do it but uh yeah sharkandrick west burned me really bad last week i don't see any reason to go after him at 4200 or jennings at 4000 if you're at the 4000 range jonathan stewart i think is the best one because uh he's getting a huge volume for a guy in that price range and uh two touchdowns on 80 carries kind of projection doesn't seem sustainable i think it's more likely he starts to get inch closer to one touchdown for every 20 carries. So uh, that progression to the mean might keep going this week, especially if you believe that the Philadelphia offense will sputter because
1: short fields means more touchdown opportunities for Stewart, and he's he's still underpriced. Kristen Michael, as you mentioned before, is 3,000. Does that make him a must-own, much like Gurley?
2: no because we don't have any clue what Dallas is going to do. For me it's just like 3000 that just opens up so much more for the rest of my team construction and it's basically the flex spot. So I can going with Christine Michael gives me a guy who I think has the, you know, high GPP finish ceiling that I want to find there. Uh well basically costing me nothing. So It makes up for it with the floor that you get at the rest of your picks by going for him but with that said he could easily finish that game with like seven or eight carries or something stupid even though they said they've been working him in as the starter because dallas don't trust jason garrett with personnel things just don't
1: yeah i would i would agree with that assessment move on to the receivers julio jones leading the way at 9100 we mentioned beckham in the hamstring woes he's 8700 but that dallas defense could just make things hellish on eli manning anyway so you probably want to stay away from beckham but are you paying up for julio at 9100 i don't think i'm going to do it much
2: i think you got to get him in some of your tournaments if you're going into the you know the issue of making any tournament lineups julio is the guy who can put up you know like 45 fantasy points so in the event that it occurs you i think have to have some of him but at that price, it's, it's not like an obvious slam dunk value, especially when DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the most targeted player in the league and he's 500 less. Doesn't have a particularly intimidating matchup either. So uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the guy who I would go to like eight to, t- to nine times out of 10 over Julio uh, just because he's getting so many targets. It would take like a truly spectacular failure for him to really
1: burn you. Staying away from Julian Edelman, of course, with the potential matchup with Darrell Revis. I just don't think 8200's worked it for him this week. And Antonio Brown, things can't really be that much worse than they were when Michael Vick was starting. 7,900 against the Chiefs, who've been porous against opposing receivers so yeah, far. Yeah, that's do you, do, tempting. Do you try to get him in there? I
2: probably will in some tournament lineups. I don't have the guts to approach him in cash games just because, as good as he was last week, I don't think... I mean i had very low opinion of landry jones as a prospect so i don't in the broader picture expect him to do well in any particular nfl sense uh but yeah one week only against a defense that struggled like kansas i mean part of that is because they played at green bay that one time but uh yeah todd haley is committed to getting antonio brown the ball just michael vick was not capable so uh this is a this is a good shot to get at a guy with insanely high target volume most of the
1: time in a week when many people probably won't pick them brandon marshall 7800 could be worth consideration 24.4 fantasy points per game on DraftKings hmm. for brandon marshall again full point ppr so wow, he's got a he's off he's got four straight 100 yard games i didn't notice that He's had some issues with fumbles, oddly enough, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be a problem. (laughs) Uh, If Keenan Allen's healthy enough to go, I I like him at 7,700. You may not have to use him because of these viable alternatives. Larry Fitzgerald, only 7,400 against the Ravens. I think that's a strong play. That's a screaming cash game a staple there, yeah. Keep an eye out for the status of T.Y. Hilton. He missed practice on Friday. Uh, There was nothing else earlier in the week as far as absences go, so... Got to see if he ends up even being listed on the injury report. Perhaps it's a matter where he's got like an illness or something like that, but still awaiting confirmation there. What do you think about Amari Cooper at 6,500?
2: I don't know what to make of that offense in, in a broader sense. I we, It seems like regardless of what that offense turns out like, Cooper will get his target volume. Uh, the question is whether he goes anywhere with it. In this price it's he's a little bit too expensive for me to gamble on i think i i wouldn't i wouldn't argue against him in a gpp setting just because he is really talented and if you know philip rivers puts up more numbers on them they might have to throw the ball and abandon the run in which case you have to like cooper's chances of eating into the the shares that would have normally gone to the running game uh so yeah he he's he's totally capable of I just would probably rather pay up for some of those other guys we already talked about or uh, for 100 less, you can take another lottery ticket on the Mike Evans show, perhaps finally airing. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I, there's there's some guys at the lower marks like Garcon at 5000. If Reed is out again and Jackson's out, I think you have to like him against the Buccaneers. But yeah gpp only for me
1: for Amari uh, cooper i do like evans uh, more than jordan matthews at 6400 yeah, yeah. If you're gonna go that route at receiver uh, brandon cooks only 5500 production hasn't been there he's been a disappointment this year with that matchup against the colts i mean does he draw a top corner and end up getting shut down or do you think he actually has a chance to get, kind of get back in the right direction uh, on, on sunday i don't know what to make of him or that
2: offense and. a in most senses but i mean i feel like cook should be a better player than what he's been to this point like he was at a very young age very 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 productive at oregon state had awesome workout testing numbers feels like a player who's just not producing because the team is asking him to do things he's not good at and if that's the case then what reason do we have to think that'll change like are they going to adjust their their schemes to try to amplify what he actually is good at or are they just not smart enough to figure it out i mean it is after all a scenario where they initially asked him to do something he can't so maybe they're just not getting the point but i'm not going to go after cooks in really any setting i don't think because even his good games he he's not a touchdown monster he's not cap. he's generally not capable i should say of like the three touchdown game like he generally needs like 15 catches before he scores a touchdown so the upside isn't high enough in my opinion to justify the risk but uh with that said if you're the colts i don't know what reason you have to put Vontae davis on cooks instead of sneed like sneed's been the more dangerous one lately
1: yeah and will also wonder how much uh sneed has benefited from Cook's maybe drawing top corners too. That's fair. Yeah, that's, if that's fair. If that's opened things up for him and made him the better matchup totally for Breeze to throw to. Uh, Vincent Jackson at 5,300. Actually, Travis Benjamin at 5,400 sort of interesting too. It seems like people really don't know what to make of him, and, and he's still priced very fairly. And he's been good. Yeah, almost I, almost twenty fantasy points per game on DraftKings this season.
2: Like he's got is ever since week three when he's like he's either scored in every game or had at least six catches in every game. That's and we're at six weeks of this going on now. So it's, I guess I guess I have to be convinced, but I hate the matchup, so I'm not going to go after him.
1: Martavis Bryant down at 4700 I mean Dante Moncrief going to be heavily owned I think at 5200 just based on how many people want to chase the high over under in the Colts Saints game but Martavis Bryant 4700 is that as crazy as that's well, not quite as crazy as Gurley because Gurley's been good for a few weeks and I mean Bryant had the fluky long uh, yards at the catch TD last week but 4700 definitely seems like a price where it's worth thinking about him even if you have a lot of concerns about Landry Jones,
2: yeah. And the thing is about Bryant, it's not like he's this guy with a, a you know marginal skill set who might be overachieving. Like this is stuff that he can do consistently. He's insanely talented. The only reason he hasn't been implemented more on the in the Steelers game plans is probably because how they don't trust him as a person. Um as that suspension probably helped explain. Like it never made any sense. Why was he why is he running behind Marcus Wheaton? Marcus Wheaton is not half as good as martavis Bryant. He is literally not half as good as Martavis Bryant, and yet they run him ahead anyway. It's gotta be because they were just looking at, you know, hearing about whatever issues Bryant had off the field. But when he's on the field, he is a clear, like all pro level talent, so I think it makes sense to go after him, even even though there's going to be a lot of people chasing his points from last week. Uh, but with that said, it would be a GPP-only thing for me because um, I'm not convinced that the Steelers will make room for him enough. And as, as I were mentioning earlier, Antonio Brown is also due for like a – you know, an, an overcompensation of targets after going quiet the last two or three weeks or whatever. But the matchup looks good, and if Landry Jones is in instead of Vic, I think they might actually throw the ball. In which case, he has to get a pretty decent chunk of whatever gets completed.
1: Yeah, I, d- I definitely like the price. I think you're you're right. I mean, especially because Landry Jones, I think, was learning through a little bit at Bryant last week, too. I think that was part of where those targets came from. Uh, Stefan Diggs, 4,200. What do you make of Diggs and, and his role in that Vikings offense?
2: I like Diggs a lot as a prospect. Like Back in his freshman year at Maryland, I thought he, he almost looked like the Devin Hester that was actually good at playing receiver or something. But uh, he had some injuries at Maryland, and he finished his career with kind of a whimper and then he fell all the way to the fifth round he didn't test particularly well at the combine he had very pedestrian numbers so but the thing is the last two games they've they've suddenly given him a ton of targets and he's been really good with those targets he's been very efficient so i'm convinced on him as a prospect like i i don't ever expect him to be the player he was his freshman year at maryland but he can do stuff when he gets the opportunity the question is about the opportunity i think because like mike wallace is still there people people are i was surprised at the the amount of hype that Diggs has gotten this week i mean he deserves a lot of the hype but people are talking about him like he's you know like he's going to be some kind of uh just season changing fantasy asset or something where i think it's more likely he'll be a Sharkhandrick west like disappointment if people don't keep the expectations
1: reasonable i mean it's it it could easily fall apart because Wallace will get his they've got Kyle Rudolph they can throw to if Charles Johnson gets healthy maybe he starts getting targets again Wallace is only 4,200, by the way. I would think people are kind of so into Stefan Diggs. Or if they're investing in the Minnesota receiving core, they are looking past Mike Wallace right now. I, I think, yeah. Does, I Diggs, does Diggs have a different set of skills, though, that would enable him to leapfrog Wallace? Could, could he actually be like a true number one receiver that the Vikings don't currently have? Because for me, Wallace has always been more of a two and when you make him the number 1 guy he seems a little bit overexposed.
2: I think they're both number 2 types. Um Diggs I think is more adept at the short and intermediate game. He's he's better after the catch. He he was he was like a transcendent after the catch like open field runner type early at early at Maryland he was a really dangerous returner too uh whereas Wallace is like the number 2 who you can really only run fly routes and like post routes and stuff with but i have to believe that wallace is the better player right now and i would be really surprised if Diggs's volume his target volume stayed up as high as it's been the last two weeks but i mean it is it is it is kind of interesting that he would go from no activity to just like full throttle like that that like seems to indicate a pretty specific intention on the part of north turner to get him and not anybody else the ball um but wallace is too good to disappear and uh if if, if the targets were perhaps going toward digs because the defenses were keying on wallace then it's pretty easy to imagine the pendulum going the other way this week and either way uh, like us too anyway don't expect the detroit offense to do well so it's pretty easy for me to envision this game becoming an adrian peterson run out the clock and just taking up chunks and chunks of yardage with uh you know, the rec- the passing game not even really n- needing to get activated. Yeah, it does
1: seem like a good spot for AP to get back uh, into the swing of things that a pretty disappointing showing against the Chiefs in Week 6 any of the receivers that you like in this kind of sub 4000 group i mean
2: uh not i, f- I forgot to mention uh, i actually like eric decker a lot at 5300 in that range uh just because i think he's really good and if, if they are throwing the ball more than usual and if they get more garbage time than usual but in the sub 4000 um let's see if if uh antonio gates is out and stevie johnson is in i think you might want to consider him a little bit at 3500 that's that's pretty cheap for a guy who was who, who was rather busy in that offense before his injury um otherwise not so much uh
1: i mean i no yeah nothing else not doriel green beckham not michael floyd at 3200
2: uh, floyd is kind of interesting in that matchup uh yeah i mean he, he got the touchdown last week it, floyd is worth a little bit of gpp exposure i think but i i still feel like i'd rather I don't know if I'm going to be able to fit a wide receiver spot for him, and in the flex, I'd rather drop
1: $200 for Christine Michael instead. So, If by some chance T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, and again, you got to check this on Sunday, Philip Dorsett at 3000 seems like the kind of tournament play you could have that would not only free up a lot of budget elsewhere, but they would, in one player, give you a good amount of separation from the pack. Cause I just don't think the ownership rate would be that high, even if Hilton sits, because everyone's going to be on Dante Moncrief
2: yeah I, I don't know in that scenario i think it might be worth going with the herd there because like it's with, with a guy like fits on the schedule with with garcon at five thousand. if reed is out uh i don't think moncrief will get as much as you would normally expect andrew luck's number one receiver to get so if if, if hilton's out I, I i would actually try to make room for moncrief in some situations but yeah dorsett at the minimum salary i mean he hasn't exceeded two catches in a game but uh, he is more than most the one that you would kind of project the the eventual 60-yard fly route touchdown for. So yeah, if Hilton's out, then Dorsett's probably worth some GPP exposure. I probably won't make that many lineups myself to the point where I would fit him in, but I I would not exactly like discourage other people from pursuing that logic.
1: Now, looking at the tight end position, you've got Rob Gronkowski, 8,100 against the Jets. Do you pay up for Gronk, or do you wait and see if Antonio Gates' status looks cloudy on Sunday, and then just go Ladarius Green.
2: If Gates is out, I I just am not getting anybody but Green at tight end. Twenty nine hundred for somebody who, in my opinion, can easily be a top five uh, fantasy tight end with a consistent starting role. Uh, I would go Green fully, but uh, th- like I was saying before, if Rivas shuts down Edelman, if Marty is shutting down whoever it is amandola or whatever gronk against any linebacker or any safety i almost wonder if they're going to put cromarty or revis on gronk um that would actually probably be the smart thing to do if if it wouldn't screw with the run defenses or whatever um anyway gronk is so due for a big game if you look at his like career uh numbers per target and so on he generally scores a touchdown like every six or seven targets and uh he's gone you know 11 catches with just one so I think, I think he's due for that two or three touchdown game. I just don't know how much the setting is really conducive to that. And even if it is 2,000 more than Greg Olsen, 8,100, you know that's like almost three times what green costs. So I probably, if, if Gronk has a huge game, I it'll probably
1: be to my detriment this week. Yeah, I feel like the pricing on the other tight ends makes it reasonable to just stay away from Gronk. I mean, Olsen's only 6,100. Gary Barnage is only forty nine hundred. Kelsey's only forty nine. If I went with
2: Gronk, it would be with the tight end and the flex, and basically, cons- basically conceptualizing Gronk as like
1: my wide receiver too. Right, and thinking of it also in a case where maybe because the matchup is against the Jets, there may be fewer players on Gronk this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, at that price and with with what you know, opposing uh, points allowed rank to second. You know that that red letter second might keep people away. So it, he makes a ton of sense as a GPP uh, asset for sure. It's just I don't I don't know if my own inclinations make it easy for me to fit him in.
1: Looking at the defenses now, the Cardinals' most expensive this week home against the Ravens, thirty six hundred. Falcons at thirty three hundred on the road facing off against Tennessee, and and Zach Mettenberger. Uh, any particular defense really kind of jump off the page this week as a value? Maybe the Vikings going on the road to Detroit to face Matthew Stafford and company. They're at even 3,000. Uh, what, what do you think about the defensive slate this week? It's not
2: easy to see a nice one this week. I, I don't have enough confidence in the Falcons personnel to capitalize on whatever opportunity Mettenberger might provide, and I'm not even convinced that Mettenberger is that bad or anything. So uh, I guess... I guess the way i tend to look at things i'd probably go for the uh, the vikings at three thousand would be one target for me and chiefs the
1: chiefs at 2700 against landry jones at arrowhead uh, i don't i don't know i don't yeah I, I probably
2: that that when you put it that way it sounds like a good idea <laughs> i just i have some bad feeling about the chiefs i don't know i just think they look kind of stupid like a team that has no idea what it's doing i can imagine their offense having another bad game in which case the defense would Perhaps deal with short fields and give up some you know cheap points that still hurt your uh, fantasy box score all the same. So I I I've, I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys probably a good amount of the time. Obviously, just because um, I mean I am I'm very sold on their pass rush. Their secondary has bad personnel, but the Giants' passing game is not exactly a fine-tuned machine. And uh, if if Odell is at all limited the Giants pass defense or sorry the Giants pass blocking hasn't been good to begin with um I, I I remember Randy Gregory getting a lot of heat on Eli in that first game I think it can be a replay of that only much worse with Greg Hardy in the picture now yeah I I think you you could be right
1: about that they five sacks on the Patriots well and I, I I mean you mentioned the Cowboys like they they might just own that matchup the Giants are one of those teams that week in and week out I can never figure out what they are. like, I can't figure out if yeah, they're I don't, average, I don't if think they're, they're better than either. average, or below average. I can't pinpoint it. And the Dallas defense, finally having everyone healthy, could really be primed for a big week. So that, I think that's a v- reasonable option. I think it's going to be a mix for me. It's going to be Vikings, maybe a little bit of Chiefs, perhaps a, a share of uh, of that Dallas defense, though, too, because 2500 is is pretty pretty affordable. And with
2: no obvious you know slam-dunk pick like Seattle on the on the menu, it's like defenses are so random it's not even worth thinking about so much of the time
1: all right well that's going to wrap things up for us uh for this week and uh if you got any questions let us know on twitter at rotowire at Derek van Riper and mario is like at nfl underscore no, nope what, what? it's a nfl draft underscore rw there it is yeah. i i it just pops up automatically when i start to tweet at him so you know yeah. whatever Whatever. Just to, just to give us a, a look there. If you've got any questions for us, we can try to get those maybe before kickoff on Sunday. But uh if we don't, sorry. You know, we're we kickoff anyway. But not the morning of kickoff, yeah, don't, don't bother us. Don't with that. don't do that. Stuff's way too busy, unfortunately. But thanks again for listening to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. And again, you can check out RotoWire for free for the next ten days by going to com. Slash pod, we're we'll back with you on Monday.